on the line You got to leave it all, leave it all, leave it all on the line Hey Seacast, I am your host, Chrissy Swadley, and welcome to Yo Mallets Co. We'll be talking about everything to do with health, fitness, well-being, and the power of your thoughts and the mind. So listen up, tune in, and let's go together. Seacasters, I am so excited to share this episode with you all. Sinead literally blew me away with what she spoke about, and I just love how she has used her past pain as like a form of research and a tool to help her in her everyday life. I myself, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes down to like human behavior and energy, so it was really exciting to kind of vibe with her on that level. Hello, Sinead. How are we, Dal? Hi, I'm fantastic. That's good. That's good. So you're currently in Ireland at the moment. Do you, you live there, correct? Um, I don't live here. No, like I live in, like, I kind of go between Sydney, Bali and Thailand. Like that is like my sort of, you know, basis. Mm. But obviously I'm in Ireland right now just because of the pandemic, because, you know, it's probably the safest place to be right now. Yeah. Yeah. So does your family live there? Yeah, so my family live here, like, and I live in, like, we live in the country, bunking in the sticks, in the middle of nowhere, and I am, like, a city girl at heart, so, like, it's tough for me, <laughs> yeah. but to be fair, if I was in the city, or in the city, I probably wouldn't be out anywhere anyway, so it's best to be here with my family. So it's a completely different kind of, like, lifestyle compared to what you used to, because I actually met you at an event in Sydney, I think it was for Boohoo? Yeah, Boohoo. So how are you going through isolation and everything? Yeah, I'm good. Like there's good days and there's bad days for me. Like I feel like everyone's going through the same path. Like some days you find it really hard to get everything done. But I sort of went through this transition before whenever I went to self-employed because, you know, it's so hard to manage your own time when someone isn't telling you to be in a certain place at a certain time. But at the end of the day, you still need to get your tasks done. Like I kind of struggled with that, you know, last year whenever I became self-employed. So I kind of went through and realized that, you know, I need to make my own routine. I need to make sure that I get these these tasks done at this time. So for me, it was kind of like I was kind of used to it. Mm. But at the same time, it is still difficult just because, um, you know, like it's just a totally different ball game. It's not something we would ever expect in our lives. But I think like the main thing for me is to always get up at 7am because like I can see people that are having really bad sleeping patterns and I feel like that is kind of the worst thing that you know I would want to happen because I just w- I would want to be productive in the mornings and I feel like my mornings are really special to me and I have like a routine and a mindful morning every day so I feel like getting up at 7am even though I am probably drinking on the Saturday or whatever I still get up because I want the routine to be there yeah yeah that's what I find is most important is still kind of creating that routine I'm definitely the same um I I find that I am a little bit used to it because I do work for myself I find as well that's where majority of people do struggle within isolation is because they don't really have a routine they don't have someone telling them when to wake up and when to go have lunch and when to work kind of thing so they're struggling with that willpower like for me um having the fridge and the pantry always there is just something that I'm completely used to. So over, over like a period of time, I've been able to one, create that willpower and two, also just um, know that I have to be strict on myself when it does come to routine and when it does come to time to work. So really it's just about creating that routine. And like you said, in the morning, like if you get yourself up and you 
are ready up and early and you set yourself up, it's kind of like you get yourself in that momentum of like doing and achieving. And I find that is what's most important, especially during this time when we are a bit out of whack. Cause I find that's what really we're feeling is just a bit lost and a bit out of whack because it's something like it's a circumstance that we're not really used to. Yeah, it is something that we never thought would hit us. But, you know, something that I always say is we have to prepare for battle at all times. Like we must always be prepared for something bad to happen. I know that sounds silly, but like we have to realize is that when I when I was in when we were all in school, we all we all had this like happy dandy. You know, we're gonna get out of school and we're gonna go to uni, get the good job, get the husband, get the kids, and like we're all expected to have this life. And then bang, something always happens, and you know what I've noticed is that hurt is just inevitable and chaos is inevitable. Like people are going to, you're going to lose people. Like it's inevitable that people die. Like, and like none of us have ever been taught with those skills to deal with, you know, to deal with hurt or to deal with any kind of like chaos in the world. And, um, it is something that I am really passionate about that I really want to get people to know the tools to have the tools to deal with chaos. Obviously, this is a brand new thing that we don't mm. know about, but like now we can start fighting and start preparing if anything like this happened again. Like, so yeah, it's something I'm very passionate about that we need to be prepared for something at all times. It's so true. Like, cause it's something that we're not really taught in schools. We're not taught to deal with chaos, but at the end of the day, like we don't really know how our life's going to be. So it's not a, like we have such high expectations in how, things are meant to go and how our life is meant to be. And obviously we're always going to wish for the best. You know what I mean? Like, cause you know, we're only human. We only want what's best for ourselves. It's just, uh, it's just our nature. And obviously we're going to get let down if something gets in the way of that. Or if like you said, chaos happens and we're going to feel somewhat let down. And so I feel like it is, like you said, really important to be prepared for that, lower your expectations and kind of just like surrender in some sense. I shouldn't, the thing is, right, you shouldn't wish, like, for, you know, you shouldn't have low expectations of your life, you should always be reaching for the highest, but when shit hits the fan, there should be tools in place, like, I say to people all the time, like, it actually astounds me that, you know, I I say to people, do you know how to deal, do you know the steps of how to deal with grief? And people will be like, no. And I'm like, that is something that is going to 100% happen in your life, someone in your life is going to, you know, is going to pass away, and like, what are the steps? you know and people don't know this it's kind of you know things like this when I went through any sort of research for tools of anxiety I kind of just was like it's crazy that people don't know these things and it's crazy that people don't know um the laws of human nature like they really don't know their own emotions they don't know people are like oh I'm so guilty um about certain things that I've done maybe and they're like I don't know how to deal with the guilt and for me guilt is such a useful emotion because without guilt people would be doing all sorts of crazy shit because without the guilt, we would, we would sort of be like, sorry, someone's coming up the stairs. I'm like distracted. But anyway, without guilt, like you're going to continue on and do all these bad decisions without that feeling. That emotion is there for a reason. And it is there to tell you that you have, you know, you fucked up and you've broke one of your highest standards. And the emotion is there to tell you that you need to, make sure you raise the standard and not do that again. If you didn't have that emotion or raising in you, you would literally be constantly, you would be off on a killing spree. Do you know what I mean? So like people need to realize that these emotions that you are feeling 
are so useful for you and your growth. Hundred mm, percent. Like negative emotions are so important um, to have and to feel and to accept. Like you said, for example, just say if <laughs> um, you touch a really sharp knife. Okay, you touch this really sharp knife, and you're like, oh, okay, uh, that hurts me. I'm not going to do that again. You learn. You learn. Okay, cool. I'm not going to touch that knife again because last time I did that, it hurt or it affected me in that way. It's the same as your emotions. If you're doing something continuously and it's affecting you, if you're not going to feel either um, doubt or anxiety or sadness or hurt, you'll continuously do that same mistake or that same thing over and over again. So to feel them emotions, it's kind of like a trigger point telling you to try something different or move on or get over that hurdle or challenge yourself with something. So that, like you said, it is a growth opportunity when you do feel these emotions. So um, I have actually been Insta crushing on you for a while now and I literally just love what you preach. You talk, oh, a, lot <laughs> you talk a lot about like anxiety, um, the brain, which I love because that's something that I am so fascinated in and I feel like such a nerd when I talk about it because people are like, oh my God, here Christy goes again with that bloody brain talk with that law of attraction energy crap. And I'm like, bitches, you need to journal your thoughts and express how you're feeling on a daily basis. And a lot of my friends don't understand. So I've been really like just resonating with um, your little talks on your Instagram stories and everything. So I kind of um wanted you to kind of touch base on a little bit about yourself for my viewers who aren't actually familiar with you yet. So can you talk a little bit about yourself and what you do and what you preach and why you preach it? Um, so basically my story started with kind of, you know, I think all anybody that preaches mental health or brain health or anything like that has always came from a dark place where they needed to crawl out of. So I just um, went into like Sort of a dark place when I was traveling and um, I was traveling alone by myself and then moved to Sydney kind of went through this like dark period of loneliness and you know I probably wouldn't say depression I would just say that I didn't have any tools to deal with the hurdles that came at me in life and so I was kind of like so confused about why people would do things why would people hurt me and like you know the reactions that I would have so I started to read about human behavior and you know, I kind of got all my answers there about why people do the things that they do and why I do the things that I do. So I started becoming obsessed with like human behavior, psychology, and mostly the brain. And I just like, it's so crazy when you understand the brain, your habits contribute to your brain health and then your brain health can affect your personality. Then you know what I mean? Like you become obsessed with knowing about the brain. So I started, um, basically studying anything to do with the brain and just became obsessed and I have a gift I don't this is my gift I don't know I always say this that as soon as I read something or as soon as I like get some sort of research I can turn it into something that people can resonate and understand with I think the most thing that people uh, resonate with is when I talk about relationships and like cheating and the brain because I can sort of talk about the behavior of a male who cheats if their brain is not fully developed because if you so the brain is so you've got this front part of your brain it's called the prefrontal cortex and it is not fully developed as in a male until you're 28 and not fully developed in a woman until you're 25 that is why we are more mature <laughs> but, i love this i'm going yeah, to love this oh my god this is so great yeah. <laughs> 
but um, so basically this part of your brain is your head office this t this this place the future this tells you to stop what you're doing and tells you you know if you do this this is what's going to happen so if this part of the brain is not developed what happens is they are using the back of their brain. The back of your brain is where you want to mate, you want to have sex, you want to get jiggy. You look at a you look at a female or you look at a male and you're like hubba hubba, right? So if this part of the brain is very strong and the front rational part of the brain is very, very, you know, it's not developed. It also can be damaged through drinking, drugs, stuff like that. Um, we can talk about that after. So basically, if it has a low function, then it's not there to tell you to stop. So in males under the age of 28 you do notice a lot like a lot of people are getting cheated on at that age when when they look at a female they're thinking oh my god i want to have sex with that female okay. the prefrontal cortex would stop and it would say you're going to lose your girlfriend you're going to lose your wife you're going to lose this person if you like act on impulse right now so that would tell the guy to stop so then if that's not fully developed until 28 then you know what I mean? Like, this is why they do that. And you know, like when they pine after you after, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I love you. I love you. I love you. Because they honestly still love you. They just thought with the wrong part of their brain and their front part is not fully developed. And not even to do that, it can be damaged throughout the years. So when your boyfriend is making stupid decisions all the time and he's not thinking of you or he's not thinking of your family or anything like that, sometimes you, it can be to do with like a bit of like, like less blood flow in that prefrontal cortex region. Um, so that's why I like to bring it to the attention of cheating because people can really resonate with that. And then they're like, oh my God, I need to fix my brain. I need to fix my boyfriend's brain. He needs to stop smoking weed. Do you know what I mean? So these things, you know, it gets people to like actually start caring about their brain. Mm, it's because so I, like if it's I sit and yeah. There's, there's so many things that you can do to kind of um, help your brain and to stop, like you said, like marijuana or a drinking, all these things that are um, chemicals within the brain and it can create not only chemical imbalance, but like you said, things like drinking can actually affect your prefrontal vortex and that like you, you were saying, it's so, so important to function and to think properly as a human and to make um, like rational decisions. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like we need to. We need our. The thing is, you have to. You have to get like brain envy. So you have to understand that like a healthy brain is actually got healthy thoughts, and there's a part in your brain that can get stuck on negative thoughts. And when I and what helps your brain? So things like deep breathing, meditation, clean, healthy, colorful, nutritional food can make that part of your brain move on from those negative thoughts. Yeah, yeah. So you you would definitely find that like would you definitely find that diet plays a big part in your like function within your brain and like a healthy brain, like you said? Yeah. So I've just finished a book there. It's called The End of Mental Illness. And it's all about the function of the brain and yeah, when you see the effects of like sugar and like the bad foods of course we all say the same saying do as much in moderation but when you read about the damage it can do to your brain like you kind of just like like that is when everything changed for me in diet because I wasn't I wasn't working out for me I wasn't doing the nutrition for me anymore I wasn't doing it for my body composition I didn't want to look good anymore I wanted to feel good I wanted my brain to function properly mm. and I didn't want to have automatic negative thoughts I didn't want my brain to be invested I wanted my brain to be well functioned can move on from negative thoughts and that is why 
you know, people need to learn about the brain because then it takes the pressure off, you know, look, eating and training for your body. Like I eat and train for my brain now, which actually works out better for me and my body. So that's kind of like how I got away from like eating and binging and all that jazz. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, I just wanted my brain to be healthy. I didn't even want my body anymore. I just obviously want my body, but I didn't want it to be like, like the other people that I kept striving for, you know? That wasn't your focus anymore. It wasn't really your body. It was more of how you feel. And at the end of the day, that actually creates more of like an intruent, intruent like type of eating and lifestyle. So that is going to be, again, more beneficial for your body because for you to be eating for your brain, it's kind of like you're somewhat listening to your body and listening to how you feel. And it just, it doesn't complicate everything. And that is what is going to be beneficial for you, your mind, your brain and your body in the long run. And that is, that is something that is actually really beneficial is to kind of switch your focus rather than your appearance, eating for your appearance, eat for how you feel. And for you, you eat for your brain and your clarity, which is so, so important for all aspects of your life. So you have had a past with anxiety um, you currently have an ebook and I think it's called how I dealt with anxiety. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So with, with anxiety, I think that, you know, everyone has anxiety. It's, you know, it's a thing that we should, and if we don't get it, we wouldn't get up in the morning. Do you know what I mean? It's something that we all have, but like, it's how we deal with it and how we speak to our, our, ourselves that we really deal with it. And when I discovered like a lot of hurt and heartbreak and, I was in Australia and I just didn't know how to handle it. Like I was just beating my own self up and I had to do all the research by myself. And, you know, I had two, I had one voice telling me to give up and I had one voice tell me to keep going. And I had to, I literally just kept going. And then I just became, I just was like, this feeling inside me just was like, people need to know all the stuff that I've learned about anxiety. People need to know this stuff, like, because people are going to get hit with heartbreak. People are going to get hit with, you know, job losses and loss of family members. And, you know, I am so equipped for all that now. Like when I, you know, first became on my first bit of hurt, you know, I was just like in the pits and now I've, I've been heartbroken since and I just knew all the tools. I knew how to grieve him. I knew how to move on. I knew how to speak to myself. And I just feel like this is really, really important, like for people to, you know, have the tools to deal with it. And I don't know, like I know now that teachers and stuff like that, people are saying that there's mindfulness in schools and I am not pushing for teachers to have any more stress. I feel like teachers already have enough stress and I feel like they do an amazing job. And I would, and I just feel like, it's 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 a government thing i feel like the government need to fund psychologists and stuff like that to go into schools i feel like how can people not know what to do when they feel lonely do you yeah know what I mean? like there's loads of mm. things that we just don't know about well i feel like we should be taught it in school because at the end of the day your brain and how you think and like you said human behavior is actually the fundamental of our entire life when it comes down to success love relationships everything it all comes down to your behavior your habits and i find those who become really invested in their mind and their emotions are usually people who have actually gone through things whether it is depression um a breakup 
or even a close death. It usually comes down to something that has made you seek change or want to seek help. And it doesn't really matter what you turn to, whether it is uh, God, law of attraction, or any form of religion. If you're just seeking more and you just want different, do you know what I mean? Like you kind of, you become aware of your thoughts, you become aware of behavior, you become aware of habits, you become aware of what's more than just living your life on autopilot. And I find that is what should be taught in schools because that's how you deal with life is through your mind, literally. Like at the end of the day, all these materialistic things are so irrelevant if you don't have your mind down packed, if you don't have your thought, if you aren't in control of your thoughts, because at the end of the day, we're not really in control of our thoughts. They are just words. They come and go when they please. What we are in control of though is our emotions and our actions and they are what feed our thoughts. And so if we are going through things like depression or anxiety, they are thoughts. And if we aren't taught to deal with them or acknowledge them, then we're actually subconsciously feeding them because we dwell into it and we we think that it's real because Thoughts are thoughts, but if you're not aware of them, thoughts actually become facts. And that's not the case. Thoughts are just words. But if you dwell into it and you act upon it and you give it emotion, you're feeding it. So then it becomes facts and it becomes your way of life. So then it becomes kind of like the story that you're telling for your life. So like you were saying, like having an awareness towards your brain and how you're feeling on a daily basis is so, so important and I don't like I don't know why they don't teach it at schools or I don't know why they're not um, putting more money and funds within psychologists because they are the ones who at the end of the day are going to help us um, so with your anxiety when you were struggling do you find that because you said that you know everyone does struggle with anxiety which I can 100% agree to and relate to because it's a it's a natural feeling that humans are like we're made to feel we're made to feel that, but it's kind of like we have identified anxiety as this form of mental illness. That is something that is bad and we shouldn't have. And we kind of like, we look at it as a really negative trait, um, which it isn't, which is, I'm more than happy to say it totally isn't like what you were saying. It's something that we need to feel and we're made to feel, but you know, when you kind of get that rippling feeling of anxiety and it really controls your your thinking and your day. Could you give our our listeners any tips in how to deal with that form of anxiety? Okay, so I want to talk about the difference between anxiety and anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. So, anxiety, we as humans get a bout of anxiety. We get we go into fight or flight, and because you know that is our nature and we are supposed to like be in fight or flight if anything dangerous comes to us but we will probably find ourselves in a fight in a fight or flight mode constantly especially in this time of the pandemic where people are really worried like maybe you someone opens the door and you're like you know that is you you're like prepared all the time you've got a high heart rate your muscles are tense your breathing's like a bit off okay so what it's okay to have these bites of anxiety But when we're in this fight or flight mode for constant, this turns into chronic stress. When we have chronic stress and we are in that chronic stress for a very long period of time, that is when it turns into anxiety disorder that people are going to get medicated for. 
So how do we get out of the fight or flight state? Fight or flight state, the only way we can get out, well, there's loads of ways, but like the main, main way to get out of it and to break that, yeah, it's okay to have bouts here and there, but we need to not be in chronic. We need to be breaking it up and being calm. So the best thing to do is obviously meditation. And it is honestly... It is the best thing that has ever that I've ever done. And you know, I didn't do it for so long. I read all the books and I was like, oh, I just never got to it. And if anyone's listening's never done it, this is your reminder that you need to try it. If you find yourself in fight or flight, we do not want to be getting to that chronic stress. We want to be breaking it up. When we meditate, um, we breathe, our heart rate slows down, our muscles relax, and we become out of fight or flight mode. And then we break that cycle of the chronic stress and we don't go as far as getting to the anxiety disorder. So this is why I want people to put meditation into their day. And I always say seven minutes for seven days just to get you going. If you want to do two minutes and work up two, 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 three, 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 even just those things. And you will see the benefits and you will be like, oh my God, like, why have I not done this? So, you know, think about you, think about the people around you. You don't want to be in this fight or flight. You want to be and you don't want to be getting to the stage where you're going to the doctor for help. Like you want to be able to get out of it yourself. So meditation is a very, very powerful tool for me. And it's a very powerful tool for creativity, for focus. Like the research on it would blow your mind on how to actually focus on tasks and how to write books and how to write anything or how to do, just do tasks. Like if you meditate for 10 minutes before, then you can actually last longer in that task without breaking it, without looking at your phone. So yeah, the benefits of meditation are just too much to not speak oh, about. Yeah, they're immense. And I feel as though I constantly hear about how beneficial meditation is. And I can talk on experience with this because it's um, something that has completely changed my life. But something that I always hear is people <laughs> talking about how great it is, but I don't ever really hear why. Does that make sense? Like I know why, but I kind of want you to talk a little bit more in depth in why meditation is so beneficial for our life, for our success, for our dreams, for everything. Could you talk a little bit in depth? Um, you don't have to obviously get too much into it just to give some little pinpoints in our listeners to why it is so important. Um, well, it's obviously very important to get out of fight or flight. It's also really important for your creativity and get your sole purpose. Um, a lot of people probably, you know, know that they have a purpose, but they actually don't know what it is and they don't know how to find it. So when you're in meditation, you're in your subconscious. You can, it's, it's very hard to get into subconscious thinking. Like mm. even for me, mm. it's very hard to get into that like random state of subconscious. But what I do when I'm in meditation is I ask, I ask the universe, I say, what is my purpose? Guide me to help me today to find what is my purpose, blah, blah, blah. So once you have done that and you have gave the universe and you've spoke to the universe, you can sometimes ask questions as well. There's loads of different meditations where you can ask questions to be guided. And, you know, some of the questions just come out of your own subconscious. And then after you, you know, you've given the power to the universe, you've given the power to a higher power, you just sort of, you sit and you wait and you wait for signs to tell you where to go, what to do. And trust me, if you believe that these signs are going to show up for your purpose, they will 100% show up. Um, and it's very, meditation is very important for creativity because you will find 
random things in there when you're sitting there you'll have random ideas like you know the way you have ideas in the shower you have ideas when you're driving because right then you're in this subconscious thought and you know for me I'm writing I'm writing a book I'm writing I'm doing journals and like all these thoughts came to me in meditation mm. so if you want to try and find things that make you happy and you know really drive your purpose then you know meditation is a really really key tool for that and also for memory oh yeah it's very good for me I find what um also has it like um plays a big part is slowing your mind down when you slow your mind down it's kind of like you're able to think more rational and see things from a perspective rather than allowing so many thoughts come into play and cloud you and so much emotion because when you are just on your normal day-to-day life you do have so many thoughts and you feel just, you can feel overwhelmed and that's just so normal because, you know, we have so many things that we need to do, whether it is um, uh, uni, whether it is work, whether it is friends, whether it is texting someone back, whether it is whatever, like it's, we generally just have so many thoughts. And when you do slow things down through um, practice of meditation, you're able to think more rational and to think with more of like a purpose because I find when um, not even throughout that session, I find when you do meditate, not only do you um, have more of a purpose way of thinking in that session, you have a purpose way of thinking throughout your entire life because it's something when you, you make the effort to practice it within your session, it kind of gradually spreads out through your everyday way of thinking. That's just something that I myself have noticed through um, meditation. It, yeah, it kind of gives you tools and habits for your everyday life. And that is what's beneficial because at the end of the day, you know, there's only so much you can achieve within that 10, 20 minutes. And yes, it's all good to feel calm and to Zen within that 10, 20 minutes. But if you're not taking things out of that session to help you in your everyday life, then it's not going to be beneficial because it's, the things that you do on your everyday life, that is what's going to um, benefit you or affect you because, you know, it doesn't come down to that 10%. It comes down to that 90% of things that you're doing. So something that I have noticed through meditation is the things that I learn through it, whether it is about myself or it's about patience. For me, um, something that has helped me over the past year is learning patience and slowing myself down through meditation because that's something that I have always struggled with. And through practicing that, um, I'm not perfect. I definitely don't do it every day. There was a stage in my life where I did, and that's where I really, Mm -hmm. I really thrived. But, you know, I'm just being completely honest. I I do struggle with it. It's something that I, I, especially as of lately, I've only been really like getting five minutes in, in the morning and I aim for five minutes because, um, I prefer to do that than nothing. And I've also been incorporating different forms of meditation. What was that? Sorry. I said five minutes a day is enough. Honestly, just, just to slow down for five minutes is enough. Like I do, you don't want to put pressure. If you want to do longer, you can do longer. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't put pressure on people and be like, you have to sit in silence for half an hour. Like five minutes is all you need to just slow down your thoughts. Exactly. It's so important to not have that all or nothing attitude towards it. Like I find you know, I did go through a phase where I was like, I have to 
achieve 20 minutes. Otherwise, nothing at all. It's pointless. But now I've started to incorporate more of a balance and just realize, cool, like I'm just going to have five, 10 minutes or wherever I can, like different forms of meditation. Like I've been going for quite long drives, drives as of lately and um, listening to podcasts or literally just meditation music. Like I literally type in meditation music on YouTube and I'll listen to that um, through my entire drive. And, you know, I just zen out and I am really present through that drive. And like you said, you have such amazing thoughts and you feel so creative and you think of all these things. Like I find whilst having these long drives, I've been like um, just really thinking and like my creative side has been really stimulated because I think of all these ideas and what I'm going to do next. So that's something that I find that I have been benefiting within my own life um, when I do kind of just shut off and just allow my thoughts to do their thing. I did actually want to touch base a little bit more on your heartbreak story. So I did actually read a little bit about it um, on your website, on your blog. So I actually get asked quite a fair bit um, from my um, viewers and my audience uh, with tips in getting over uh, breakups, because that's something that I actually dealt with last year. I dealt with a breakup and it was actually um, all over my YouTube channel, all over my Instagram. Like it was something that was quite big. So it's something that I definitely didn't hide. It was something that all my audience went through with me. So I do get a lot of messages of people asking how to go through this and how to deal with it. And for me, um, I dealt quite fine through that specific breakup because I wasn't in love and I wasn't invested and we weren't together for that long. So I can never really think of, well, I can't really think of, I can't really give them a good response because I don't have a good response because there's never really been in my life a breakup where I was fully, like a relationship I was fully invested in and it took me, you know, ages of grieving to, and, you know, to get over that. So I've never gone through that. So I, I'm someone who I talk from experience. So I've actually really never had experience with a breakup. Usually I'm the one to either break up with my boyfriend or for example, that um, relationship I had last year, it was something that I'm actually glad that I'm not with him because of what he has done. And um, everyone can like, obviously I have posted like a huge YouTube video about it. Like it's not something that I am um, a shy away from, but I do want to kind of talk a little bit about this with you and your experience with your breakup and how you dealt with it. Well, first of all, you lucky bitch. You've never been heartbroken by the sounds of it. But yeah, um, so basically, right, what happened with me was, it's funny now because I look back at it now and I just think, you know, if I was me now, I would be able to handle that a million times better because I have all the tools. But looking back on it, I was just like, I just didn't know what was going on. So what happened was I was with him for like two and a half years. We were living together, we were in London and we were going to travel the world and then we're moving to Sydney. And then a week before he, um, I just got a te- I got the text, you know, the text. I got the text from a girl just saying he did the dirt. And I was like, okay. So as, a, as an uh, avoidant or, you know, attachment type, I'm like, okay, someone has done something to hurt me. This is my excuse. Let's go. Let's run. So I just was like, take me to the airport. And that was it. That's the last time I seen him. And I went to 
I went traveling. I went traveling by myself. I just got on a plane and everyone was asking me like, where is he? So like, I was kind of like not ready to talk about it because I didn't really know. And so anyway, I went through the motions, but I think like the most important thing for breakup is first of all, acceptance, because I couldn't accept the breakup. I was like, we're going to get back together. He's going to come after me. Like I just couldn't accept. So therefore like, how could I heal if I could not accept? So it took me a long, long time to accept this. You know, he wasn't, it wasn't Romeo Juliet. He wasn't coming running after me. So um, then obviously I went through all the motions and I thought, I kind of thought it was, you know, I was like, am I not enough? Um, I thought, you know, all the negative thoughts that people think. And you know what? The reason why I dealt so bad with that breakup was because, you know, I just didn't love myself. I could, I, the only person that could validate me was him. And he, like, if he loved me, then that made me feel good. That made, that was my, but what I realized was I had to go through my own self-love journey, which I did. I went through a whole, whole awakening, self-love, got myself sorted. And, you know, I went through heartbreak again, um, last year where, um, I broke up with someone and, you know, although it was really, really, really hard because, you know, I did love him. I realized that, you know, I did, I wasn't in that dark place. I realized that I could grieve him properly. I would set time in the day, like maybe two, I used to say two songs. Um, and I would really think about him and I would be like, I would think of all the things that he taught me and all the things that he, you know, I've taught him and that, you know, what I learned from the relationship. And I took those two, three songs and I cried. And then I was like, yeah, that's okay. That's, he de- that's what he deserved. He deserved that. And now I'm going to get on with my day. And yeah, so that's how, like, I just had all the tools to deal with the heartbreak rather than, yeah, rather than before where I was just a complete mess. Oh my God. But um, yeah, so now I really, it's all about self-love. It's all about validation of your own self and also realizing that it's not your fault. Like there is people that have different needs in relationships. Mm. So there's different needs and we have different attachment types and, you know, well, and I've studied every single relationship book you can actually imagine. So I actually know why people do the things that they do. Like I, I understood why he cheated. I thought that he cheated because, you know, I wasn't enough, but he cheated because, you know, he was insecure and, you know, I was very dominant in the relationship. I would be an avoidance. So I would like, it would be harder for me to get close to someone and to share myself with someone. So, you know, he never voiced his opinions of, he never voiced his, like, that he needed reassurance. So in the end up, he was just like, fuck it. And, you know, he probably sabotaged himself because he didn't want to get hurt because he felt like he was always being hurt by me. And, you know, it took me a long time to realize that. And, you know, there's a, it's not, the sto- people are always like, oh my God, the cheater's a comp, the cheater's a snake. There's a lot more than that. Like, there's a lot of needs not being met in the relationship for it to go that far. And to realize that, that it's not my fault and that it was just both of our needs were not being met. Um, you know, didn't, like looking at human behavior, looking at his behavior, my behavior and realizing that, you know, it's not me and it's nothing to do with me. It's got to do with us as a, us as a whole, as a relationship together and that things were not aligning, our values were not aligning. And that was that. And it wasn't to do with, you know, am I pretty enough? Did I give him enough sex? You know, mm. those questions that people it's nothing to do with that so just really and just kind of just studying humans till like you know what I mean now I know everything about every single human like if I go on a date with a guy and he sits down I'm literally like okay so 
I'm guessing you haven't had a father growing up or he hasn't been around. And they're like, yeah, how did you know that? Yeah. So I'm like, you've got a feminine side. And usually when, you know, a guy is really sensitive, it means that his feminine side has not been suppressed by a male figure in his life. So the more sensitive they are, then, you know, I can tell all these things from a guy and like how they grew up within like one date. So and that's, it's so important to know that. It's actually really, really interesting as well. And it's, yeah, so human behavior, that is the way. Exactly. Like you were saying, you know, through breakups, so many people doubt their self and they try to analyze what they did wrong and what they could have done better. And that's legitimately the worst thing to do because your actions, a majority of the time are completely irrelevant. Um, it comes down to you guys as an individual um, you as an individual and like you said, you you guys as a whole because everyone's needs are completely different and how everyone acts is completely different. Everyone's triggers are completely different. So like what I, uh, what I enjoy, so my love language could be completely different to my partner's love language and what they enjoy, you know. So certain triggers that um, trigger me could be someone else's what they adore. So it, it's nothing to do with what you were to them. You know, if you are going through a breakup, don't you dare doubt yourself and don't you dare put yourself down, you know, like obviously analyze the situation and, you know, if there is anything that you do need to work on within yourself, then do that without that self-doubt and without that criticism. You can actively work on yourself without putting yourself down, but don't always feel like it, it's your fault with a breakup because especially as women, we naturally always blame ourselves. We think of a thousand things in why this relationship um, didn't work, you know, a thousand different reasons why, whether, like you said, we didn't give them enough sex. We didn't talk to them enough. We were too moody. We were too emotional. We were too obsessed, you know, so many different variables in why they cheated on you or why they broke up with you. But at the end of the day, it's actually, completely irrelevant because if it would have worked out, it would have, if it didn't, it didn't. And it doesn't have anything to do with um, how emotional you are. It's to do with you guys as a pair and um, you like your guys behavior and what you are attracted to and what they're attracted to. So it just comes down to learning from that. And, you know, a a song that I really, really love is by um, Ariana Grande when it's, what is it? I, um, Oh, where she's talking about, how every single guy that she got with has taught her something different. What song is that when it's like, um, uh, he taught me um, patience, he taught me love. Like she was just basically going through uh, her exes. So it's um, Thank You Next, that song, and she's talking about her exes and how they all taught her something. And it is so, so true and so relevant, you know, like one can teach you patience, one can teach you um like love one can teach you to be more passionate one can teach you to slow down one can teach you to um even just things like to be more active like just the little things like everyone that you meet whether it is in a relationship um or it is through business um someone at uni it doesn't matter who try to get everything you can out of everyone that you meet so if you do go through a breakup rather than blaming yourself take the positives that you have learnt from that relationship. So that's something that I do want to add within this is um, rather than constantly doubting yourself when you go through a breakup, actually switch your focus to the positives that you got out of it. Like, don't get me wrong. 
it is hard. <laughs> like, you know, I would, I struggle to debate through breakups or when I lose friends um, because loss is definitely something that I have dealt with. Um, just because I haven't dealt with um, heartbreak doesn't mean I haven't dealt with loss and losses have something that I have dealt with and it is hard and it's, it's okay to grieve and it is okay to cry. You know, you don't need to act tough. You allow yourself to be upset, but also make the action to get over it and to not grieve and to switch your focus into what you did get out of that relationship. And like you were saying before, Shanae, it's all about, um, you know, becoming aware that you do need to have more self-love and you do need to do things that do make you feel more powerful in yourself. Because if you are so reliant on relationships and on boyfriends and on friends for happiness, then that is never going to work out with anyone because it's going to not only self-sabotage yourself, but it's going to like, yeah, it's going to sabotage relationships because when you don't, when you have self-doubt and you rely on others, how you think is actually clouded. So, you know, for example, in a relationship, if you don't have that self-love within yourself, you start to not want that other person to do well because you feel like if they do well, that they're going to get better than you and be better than you and move on. So you start to see things differently. And that's why it is so important before you get into any relationships or friendships or anything is to really actually focus on your own relationship towards yourself. Oh my God. Yeah. 100%. Like you cannot rely on anyone and you really need to get, you need to get in touch with your own awareness of your own needs as well, because, you know, people think like, I'm, this is something I'm writing in my book about, you know, needs and relationships. And a lot of people think you should know these things. This is the common thing that people say when I get, when your boyfriend has like done something wrong, you're like, well, you should know these things. We should never ever assume that our partner knows our needs. For example, my partner is very, very, very secure. Like I, he's very, so secure. Like I could go out for five days and I probably wouldn't. Oh, sorry. That's so fine. Oh, phone's ringing. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, so where was it? Oh yeah, we should never, um, we should never actually think that our partner should know these things because like our partners are completely different types we should never assume that our partners should know these things about our needs um because we have totally different needs in relationships like for example my partner's very very secure like I could go out for five days and he probably would be like so chill because he's so secure with himself with the relationship he's very like yeah whatever whilst on the other hand because of my past experiences you know I would be a little bit more anxious and I would need a bit more security so if he went out with his friends and he didn't text me like I would be like oh my god are you insane like I would you know I would act but at the same time if I know my needs I can just turn around and I can say to him look I know you don't need me to text you when I'm out but I need you to text me when you're out because it makes me feel safe and it makes me feel secure Mm -hmm. and you can tell that to him because I know that like I can recognize that need in myself and instead of you know him calling me a psycho I can be like this is just what I need right now uh, and this will make the this will make this will stop me from going into like a protest behavior, bringing you thirty six times. Do you know what I mean? So like, let, and then he'll be like, oh, of course, like I will try better. And that's how you should um, recognize your needs in the relationship. Like you should just realize that you know nobody should know these things. We all have different needs because 
of our past relationships because of our childhoods. So yeah, we need to be just more clear and aware of our needs. Yeah. And that's why communication is so important within relationships. Like just because, um, your needs are different to theirs doesn't mean you're obsessive, psycho or emotional. Like I'm the same, you know, like I'm someone who I do like to have reassurance in where they are and what they're doing because of my past. And it doesn't mean that we're obsessive. It doesn't mean that we're um, any more attached than they are. It just comes down to our needs. And that's why being able to communicate to your partner is so important and you know, even if you do have to be the one to kind of prompt that and to push at the start to constantly try to get your partner to communicate, especially um, with men, like, you know, just from experience, they, they're not as emotional. We're emotional creatures and men, they actually think with more of like a logic, logical mindset. So they're problem solvers and we're more of emotional creatures. So it comes down to kind of us you know, being the leader when it comes down to speaking about our emotions and making it a place for them where it is okay to open up and to talk about their emotions and to talk about what they like and what they don't like. Because you also got to understand girls that men don't do that with their friends. So it's not a comfortable um, thing that they do. It's not something that they used to. It's not something that they do often. So it is going to be a little bit awkward for them or they're not going to do it first. So it does come down to us to kind of make it a safe place for them and to kind of make it okay and acceptable and to push it within the relationship because it is so important to communicate and don't rely on your partner to start it up. You know, maybe, maybe that's something that we need to do um, or you need to do within that relationship is to talk about, how you're feeling a little bit more or how you're feeling towards them or how you're feeling their actions are making you feel, you know, communicating is so important and don't wait around for your partner to do that girl or guy. It doesn't really matter. I'm just, I'm not saying as, as a woman, we need to start that. But what I'm saying is just coming from a facts point of view, women are more emotional and we do talk about our emotions and our thoughts more than men. It's just natural that I'm not, you know, I'm not, trying to be sexist here at all. I just literally fuck. So maybe within your relationship, yeah. make it a place where communication is regular and you're so okay to talk about how you're feeling and what is affecting you. So that's something within my relationship now is so important. If something affects us straight away, we bring it up. And for me, I'm someone who I do get quite um, on the defense side when someone tells me I'm doing something wrong because I don't like to be told that I'm doing something wrong. But I always, always come out of that conversation feeling a little bit empowered because I'm like, cool, okay, this is something that someone doesn't like that I'm doing. Let's let's work on this and see how I feel and see how how I go. And not only do I grow as an individual, but every time um, my partner and I talk about these things, we both grow in our relationship. So um, bringing your partner, yeah. like, is just a trigger for change. Like, it's very important. Like, we're always going to fight and have conflict with each other because we are all we have different personalities, values. We have different like human experiences throughout the world. So, like, we are always going to conflict. It's how we deal with that conflict that really, really like makes our relationship grow, or it makes it 
crazy because there's something in my book as well I called abolishing the psycho because that word psycho can be really damaging as well mm. because mm. it's actually it's every single fight that we have is not because someone is a psycho or because someone is it's because somebody's needs or somebody's rules or somebody's needs are not being met like when like it's just it's just if you don't you have to recognize the needs and you have to recognize that they're completely different from each other and then you can work on that together and then you can actually become a stronger stronger bond Mm. and it's true exactly exactly i do really love that we have touch base on this because it is so important it's something that we're not aware of when we do go into relationships we kind of just think very simple um he likes me i like him and it's gonna work but really sometimes different relationships well most relationships need to be worked on and you need to kind of analyze what that person likes and what you don't like you know like I've actually spoken about love language quite a fair bit on my YouTube channel and a few times on my Instagram story and how important it is to um, know your own love language and to know your partner's love language because, for example, my love language is quality time. Um, And if I don't feel like I'm getting that quality time, I actually don't feel like my love is being met and I feel like that person is resenting me. And I feel like, you know, like I I start to doubt myself and I start to doubt the relationship. That's just literally because my love language isn't getting met. So um, on the other end of the um, spectrum, it's so important for us or the other partner to become aware of their partner's love language. So you can communicate about it and make sure that you're constantly feeding each other's lang- love language. So that's something that I did want to add within that is love languages. You can literally just Google love languages and learn a little bit more about that. Um, I think it is important to know your own love language. Yeah. Like I am a connector. Like I am PDA central. Like I will be like, I am all over him all the time. That's just like how I connect. And that's the connection need that I need. Like I will be snogging in the supermarket like that. I am that person. Mm. Um, and, you know, I would feel like if he, if he didn't hold my hand in public, like if I didn't know about emotional needs, I would be like, oh my God, I, he doesn't like me. He's ashamed of yeah. me, blah, blah, blah. But like, instead, I know that he's a secure person and that's, you know, he doesn't feel the need to like, you know, kiss me in front of a friend if he doesn't want to. Why I'm like, oh, I need that. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. like, then we can come to some conversations where he can hold my hand in public. Yeah. And, you know, he, I, and then I know that he's just very secure. He, it's not that he doesn't like me enough like he mm. just like he doesn't need that so then I won't pressurize him to kiss me in front of the boys do you know what I mean so it's how like- funny how funny are our minds as women like I just wanted to say like we legitimately get so angry if our partner doesn't kiss us in front of his friends like we have like 15 to 20 thoughts that come in our head within that three second spam if they're not kissing us in front of their friends or they're not holding their hands in public we can think of anything like anything and it's so it's this is just a lull moment on myself like as women we do we just overthink this shit so much yeah but if we knew his needs it's different if we know he's just super secure then then we could be like yeah that's fine like he literally just like is so secure he doesn't actually need to show 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 me off show himself like he doesn't need that because 
he's secure. But on the other hand, it's not, I'll tell you now, it is not just us. Guys need us to show them on their Instagram. They need us to, they need us to show them off. Some guys need that. Like I need, why have you not liked my photo? Like guys are just as bad. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like whoever, yeah. So it's not just us. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I think we just need to discover each other's needs. Exactly. And then we can work talk up. about it. Because it is, it's so important because that's what is going to um, not only prevent breakups, but also make relationships grow and to really access a whole new level of connection. Whether it is in um, your boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse, it's also within your relationships with your family or your friends or your work partners. So that is something that I feel like everyone listening to this podcast can take take on board and take with them. So thank you so much for um, touching base on this topic. This has been something that is so, so interesting and that I've known so many people do actually need to hear because like I said, I get so many messages um, from my CFAM asking about heartbreak and how to, how to cope with it. So thank you so much for touching base on that. Um, so you were talking a little bit about a book that you're writing. Could you talk a little bit more about that? What is that book going to be about? So at the minute, so I kind of, this kind of stemmed. So I've, I've been like really triggered by, you know, I, I actually was listening on the radio to anonymous people confession, sending in how they feel at this time of the pandemic, pandemic. People were saying things like, I hate my sister. I can't stand my mom. I can't wait till this is over. Do I divorce my husband? And I was just like, so so saddened by this because this is not only a time, you know, this is a time that we can actually, you know, become healthier, like in our relationships. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to start writing everything that I know about relationships and how to improve them and how to have healthy relationships. You know, I've done a lot of research on this myself and I, it started off, I was like, I'm just going to do like a little like ebook and just do like a few pages on like how to deal with like your parents in the house. Cause obviously people are really struggling with like being around their parents and their family and like being around. And like, I used to, I used to struggle with my relationship with my mom. We used to fight all the time. And like through all this research, like we are now at the best place I've ever been. We're like best friends. So I was like, okay, I'm going to pit, pit all this on paper so that other people can have the same relationship with their parents. And, you know, it sort of grew from parents to relationships to, so yeah, I'm just constantly, like, I thought it was just going to be something small, but it's kind of something like a little bigger. It's just like how to recognize your partner's needs, how to actually be a better partner, how to abolish the psycho, how to be present with your partner. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a simple ebook, but, um, it's sort of an, it's sort of growing each day. I'm like, Oh God, how did this happen? But yeah, so that's what I'm working on right now. So I'm just kind of in the middle of research and just writing and it should, it should be done. Um, like my team wanted it last week and I was like, guys, I had a mental breakdown on the Friday. I was like, guys, no, no, no. I don't want to write for your deadline. I need to write for my audience and for, um, I need to write for them and have that sort of like passion. So I was like, I took the whole weekend off went for long walks and just all this flowing energy came and I just started writing again. So yeah, it should be done soon. It's actually just a little ebook. It's nothing too special, but I think it will really help with people that are in relationships and that are struggling with even self-love and stuff. There's stuff about self-love and stuff in it as well. So amazing. You'll have to definitely keep me up to date with that because I'll be wanting yeah. a little copy of that. Um, my last question for you, Honeybun, is this is something that I ask everyone 
who comes on um, my podcast is what does your balance look like to you? Um, okay, so for me, like my balance comes down to, you know, what do you value most? One of my, fa- like my number one thing for the day, if I get nothing done at all, then I have to read. So I, my balance for me is to say that every single day I need to learn something. And then I would always ask my friends, my family, you know, what did you learn today? And that's something I'm going to put with my children as well. I want to always be growing and learning. So I feel like that is something that needs to be in my day for my balance. Like I actually feel, I would feel like sad if I didn't get to learn something new each day. So yeah, so that is one part. And then obviously eating well, exercise, and obviously at the weekend, we are going to be popping those bottles. I'm going to be popping those bottles today because it's my mom's birthday. And, you know, it's such a balance where you need to have fun and act like, the reason why we drink is because we can act like a child and be really, really, really playful. So that is the whole point of drinking that you sort of like turn off that part. It actually turns off that part of your brain, that prefrontal cortex, just to let you know. (laughs) So that's why people make stupid decisions when they're drunk and it's good to turn it off and just go whack in, do what you need to do. So you need to do that, but just don't take it too far. Not Mm. because I know a lot of people are popping those bottles and a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in this this pandemic. So I want to like, keep it for the weekend, get other, get other things in your week that drives you to your purpose, like reading and developing. And then at the weekend, that is your list time. Yeah, so that was my your balance. I love that. No, I really do love that. I love how um, a part of your balance is learning because you found that that is something that does make you feel fulfilled. And at the end of the day, knowledge is power. So it's something that we do need to all take on board from these podcasts is knowledge is everything. But um, mm-hmm. Sinead, thank you so much for coming on this episode. Where can all my um, CFAM find you? So what Instagram or whatever platform that you have, where can they? So my Instagram is, yeah, my Instagram is Sinead Haig. Um, my, I, I have a lot of email subscribers. I talk a lot about like brain health relationships and stuff like that. So that you'll find that on my website, SineadHegarty.com. You'll find all my information and I do a lot of book reviews on there um as well so if anyone needs to know about any books about brains or whatever then that is all there chaneadhegarty.com um yeah and then my retreats as well and um, my retreats i have retreats in thailand as well and they are all on that website if you need to know how amazing so thank you so much for coming on this episode babe um all my all my c clusters i will talk to you in our next episode bye